So before we start this episode, I just wanted to let you know about the retreat I'm going to teach very shortly, well in October, at Purple Valley Yoga in Goa, alongside my very special guest, Edwin Bryant. So it's a two weeks retreat, both weeks there'll be a Mysore class in the morning, every morning, and the first week I'll be there teaching asana workshops in the afternoons, the second week Edwin will take the reins for his knowledge and philosophy, including going through his well-known book on the yoga sutras in person. Further than that, Purple Valley Yoga Goa is generally great. A lovely shala, great food, wonderful staff, and set on a beautiful grounds with a pool. So I'm sure you're going to have a great time. See www.keyonyoga for uh, details or go to yogagoa.com as well. I hope to see you there. So today's guest on the Keyon Yoga podcast is Kranti. Now, Kranti is known as Kranti in the yoga world or Renato to friends and family back in Italy. Native Italian, he has taught in Tokyo, Japan for I think about 16 years at Under the Light Studio. I met him in Mysore a number of years ago. Thoroughly nice guy, really enjoyed time with him. So it's really a pleasure to have. I haven't seen you for about 10 years, I think, so, to see you again yes. now. Hi, yeah. Hi, yeah, it's thanks really for having uh, me. thanks. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I should have got to you sooner. Um, you know, I always <laughs> uh, remembered cooking those Italian meals back in Mysore. Um, and uh, you know, yeah, <laughs> the fun we used to have. <laughs> um, so I mean, I know you've got a long story with yoga and with India. Um, would you mind just uh, introducing yourself a little bit to the listenership? And so you would just told me how you went to India first of all in 1990, in which I remarked, "How old are you then?" Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. My first trip in India, not in my uh, in India, mm. it was in 1991, actually. And um, I went there out of curiosity, you know, to explore a place that I've been hearing a lot from people that I knew that were older than me, and I've been traveling there before. So, yeah, I was very, very curious. As I've been all my life, pretty much, uh, it's my my nature to. It's just curiosity all the time. I just want to see it. I just want to know. And honestly, my English was really bad at that time. You know, I could hardly say anything. I went. I just took my back, you know, I, and, and I left. I left Italy and I took the airplane and I arrived there. And there you go. I was in India, you know, not speaking anything pretty much with, you know, with a dictionary and stuff. And, um, yeah, I wanted to go there uh, for, for different reasons. Uh, one, of course, uh, was the, the curiosity to see the country that I've been hearing a lot about. It. Uh, and the second thing is that I wanted to go to the Osho commune, Rajneesh uh, Bhagwan. Uh, mm, and, mm. um, and so I, you know, I spent six months in India and, and I spent about a month and a half too, uh, in Pune. Uh, the commune. Uh, unfortunately, Osho left the body one year before. So, but still, there was a lot of fire. There was like you know, it was still the energy was really really high uh, there. You know, amazing place for me. I, I know you know the controversial you know thoughts about it and stuff, but uh, my experience has been only positive, really. And, mm. And that was in Bangalore. You know, no, the ashram is in Pune. Sorry, Pune, Pune, yeah, Pune. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, in Pune. And, and that's um, where you got the name. Yes, that's where I got the name. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Right. Uh, a few years later, a few years later, though, uh, I think a second, third trip I went there because I was just keep going. Mm. Uh, it, w- it was very exciting for me also because you know um, I 
you know, I, I when I start to be interested in in, in body mind, let's say, you know, and mm. spiritual things, and I was really really young. Actually, I started to read my first book on meditation when I was fourteen. Uh, again, out of curiosity, because a friend of mine was reading something about meditation. I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I, I went to, you know, a bookstore. There was no Google. There was nothing at the time. And, um, and I just, you know, I just choose a couple of books, you know, and I start to read. And, uh, mm. and, and it was really interesting because, you know, I thought that always uh, how interesting that people, we are so different, you know, and um, I wanted to understand more about how I am and how other people are. Um, and so, you know, I started to read different things, psychology, meditation, and, um, and finally, when it came across an ocean, then, you know, I was like, okay, okay, I'm in India, I'm going to go there and see what happened. As I recall, you were doing yoga before you went to Mysore and studied Ashtanga yoga as well, right? You were already trained oh, yeah, and, yeah, and practicing yes, yoga yeah. for a long time. So how did it start the yoga then? How does that tie into the whole thing? Well, the thing is, uh, a couple of friends of mine, they were, as I said, they were older than me and they were to India. And so sometimes we just met up, you know, in the park and things. They were doing some, you know, some very stiff looking Surya Namaskar, you know, and I was just like, I just try different things. And then, you know, uh, a few years later, I, I met a friend that she was uh, an Iyengha teacher uh, teaching at the gym. And she was like, come, 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 come to join my class. And so I started to go there, you know, and take some Iyengar classes. Um, and uh, that's how I slowly, slowly start with asana. But as I said before, I was already doing meditation uh, mm. when, when I really start to go in, into this, those, you know, asana focused mm. classes. And, um, and so for me, you know, the asana has been always an important part, of course, um, but I, I never put it just in front of the meditation part. I don't know. I have been always thinking that for me, you know, uh, asana was, was an, a nice practice to, you know, to focus on my body, to focus on my energy and so on. But, you know, regarding especially the mind, I, I always thought like meditation was a thing for me. Uh, mm. you know, Did you always get work? From the start, yes, have you kept yes, that up yes, throughout? Have yes, you? Right. Yes, yes. What, yes, what's, yes I didn't yeah. know that. What style of meditation do you practice? Well, I did start uh, in the beginning with just like you know, uh, uh, in just mindfulness. You know, what I mean, uh, mm. just just feeling the breath and sitting and and quite. And then over the years, you know, when I was in, uh, for example, in Pune, uh, there were different groups. I don't know how. If you know how it works, they are there are workshops, there are training and stuff, mm. and mm. and they are teaching you know different kind of meditation, you know zazen, for example. Um, so you know I, I've been trying different things, and then at one point I, I figured out my own way, you know, and just like sitting and 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 uh, you know and being there, you know. So you start always, of course, with you know some some different kind of meditation where it involves also the body movement. Like, for example, in, in the Osho community, we do this dynamic meditation. I don't know if you're familiar. Yeah, I have heard that that one. Yeah, the kind of emotional <laughs> release. Or, you know, everyone's heard very, that one. Yeah, very, yeah, 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 intense, yeah. very intense, very intense. And, um, so you did that one as well? Oh, yeah, we're doing this every morning. One hour of screaming, shouting, dancing, uh, 
wow. freezing and, and, and feeling, you know, like, uh, and that was really intense, man, intense. And yeah. we were doing yeah. outside, we were still outside. And then after a few years, they, they put uh, the meditation room inside because neighbors and things, but it was outside where, you know, also used to give a speech and, um, Pretty intense, pretty intense. Yeah. <laughs> it's like breathing nose 10 minutes, you know, and like like screaming and shouting everything you have outside for another 10 mm, minutes, mm, you know, then jump in and who, 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 like, you know, this <laughs> crazy mantra and then freeze for 15 minutes and then dance. The last part was dancing, you know, this free dancing like that. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> Every morning. That's also yeah, very that's, early. That, I think that's was... a kind of interesting for everyone to hear, actually, because many people... Yeah, yeah. Do you see that documentary, Wild Country, I suppose, you've seen that, haven't yes, you? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. So it's good to have a bit of an insight from that, because I think that portrayed a certain... Uh, the community in a certain light, you know, maybe not so positive, but, but you you know, yeah, it's nice to have, I, I know. to have a different... I mean, I can't, I can't say much, you know, about what happened when Osho was alive or in the 70s, mm, you mm. know, when I was not there. Uh, but while I was there, all the years I've been going there, uh, honestly, I mean, my experience has been amazing. And I met so many people because, you know, most of the uh, Osho therapists are actually psychotherapists, psychologists, you know, like neuroscientists. Like, yeah, people are prepared, you know, just like, you know, uh, people just randomly jumping around. So, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they have been, you know, working with you know with with the western therapy and and the meditation from the east side you know combining uh for you know, trauma release for all, all kind of things really really mm. family constellation a lot of lot of interesting things really we're doing also like like three four days silence for example just closing some kind of chambers you know most of the day and and just in the silence you know not speaking at all and so there were different kind of meditation also, you know, uh, that they were doing. And then I found all of them really interesting. So, you know, yeah, I wanted to yeah, see, yeah, yeah. I wanted to see like what's happened to me if I do this for three days or if I, if I don't speak for three days, man, it's like that energy is like, yeah, you want to say something, but you can't, you know, and, and so you watch, you know, how you feel about it, you know, and, and, and interesting. You discover a lot of things about yourself. Very, very interesting. Where did you find the need to do the Ashtanga then? How did the, how did you find yourself in Mysore doing Ashtanga yoga with that background? Oh how well, that come you about? know, I yeah, um, in you know, I was I was uh, in Berlin uh, uh, late ninety, beginning of two thousand, and um, I was just, you know I was already doing a little bit you know Vinyasa yoga at the time and so on. So I start to practice a little bit more of a different style, Yengar, Shivananda, for example. Uh, I was a few times also in London at Shivananda Center uh, a few years back, and um, and so I went to the studio, and then there was this uh, this guy Peter Graves, uh, which was like you know one of the one of the most old actually students, uh, you know, let's say around you know, people like uh, John Scott, maybe was there Alino Miele, that, around that that time, you know, and Peter Graves, a German guy. Was there? I've heard him, and that, and when yes. it, what was he? So he was in Milan, was he? No, no, no. I was in Berlin, in Berlin, Germany. Oh, you were in Berlin by that time. Okay. Yes, yeah. Okay. By that time, right. I was in Berlin already. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, right. Um. So, 
So I, I started to do, you know, a couple of classes with him. And the first, I mean, the first class was like, I think was half primer or something. Oh my God. I was like, that's blow my mind completely, you know, because it was something very different than what you know, all the Asana classes I've done before. And, uh, and I was like, wow. And I remember just like walking back home that evening and like, completely shaking my body was shaking you know from from the practice and i was like mm. and, and i was thinking i couldn't sleep at night because it was that evening class you know so all this energy and stuff and then i was like you know what i just want to go back tomorrow again you know it was like just caught me like this it was like it was so hard i could almost do anything you know because you know i used to practice a different style of yoga you know i was doing i did also teacher training uh, a little bit before in italy with a with a very famous uh, italian teacher but not a shanga and uh, mm. but you know it was like more quiet more you know one other just the rest a little mm. bit you know some pranayama some meditation at the end but nothing so dynamic you know so like a shanga and i think maybe that was also you know what caught my, my personality you know um, i'm very intense very active person uh since i was kids so um yeah that was that was my my beginning and then from there i was just like tried to go as much as possible to workshop you know whenever there was a workshop in europe you know um and uh that's how how i start in fact when you know when i when i went to 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 Mysore the first time 2005 i already been going through like teacher training with richard freeman in boulder i went two months in la with uh, uh mati ezrati elisa walford uh mm. you know my poor mati um and um so i've been already practicing a lot i was going to Mysore class every morning actually every afternoon with with mati in uh yoga works uh, she was having a, an afternoon miser class and, and Chuck was teaching in the morning. I went also to some Chuck class as well. Mm. Um, I'm actually a very good friend with Chuck and, and Matty. And, um, and then, you know, uh, yeah, I took a teacher training with Richard Freeman in 2003. Um, so I was just like, you know, going and trying to get as much as I could, you know, from different teachers but uh, before before I went to Mysore. Mm. Mm. When when I arrived when I arrived Mysore, you know, I knew I was going to do the primary series, of course, as everybody doing. But at the time, I was already doing Hanumanasa, I think, you know, like in my practice, and I went to all the way back and start from zero, basically, <laughs> which was fun. I think everyone has that experience. I, I mean, I kind of, I vague, I vaguely remember seeing you then. I didn't know you. I remember you having long dreadlocks at the time, and. I, and I could, I could also remember you were very interested in the handstands at the Southern Star as well. I used to see you doing some handstands, I think, you know, and thinking, yeah, this guy is really into it, you know, and, uh, and yeah. And then I think I, you know, saw you in the, in the Mysore room and it's like, you, everyone's held back there and, you know, like you're not doing all the stuff, you know, like, yeah, it's a, you know, it is a, a humbling experience being there. Um, yeah, and I yeah. suppose, you know, I mean, and, and, you know, from you said 2005 and we met in about, I think, you know, 2014 or something. And you've gone, you, you mentioned to me almost every year, I think since then, um, and up until recently, uh, you know, it's an obvious question, but, you know, how has, how have you felt that things have, have changed for you? And let's say just start with have changed for you in your, in your experience of Mysore. 
mm. over the years. But you know, 2005, of course, Gurji was was still alive, you know, and uh, but Sharaf was mostly teaching, you know, <laughs> or at least was the person that you you could mm. relate more, you know, for language matter as well, you know, um, and um, well, there was there was a big shift, of course, you, you could feel, you know, and there was like, Sharaf was having also his class after that, you know, in, in, in the building in front of the Shala there, some people were going there, some people were here. Uh, then there was, of course, the people were being practiced with, 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 with Guruji for, for, you know, several years before. And, um, I don't know. There was this this group of new students coming, you know, and getting excited about Sharat and everything. And, and all the students, they were like, okay, but this is, you know, Guruji is my teacher. So um, for me, it was like, they were both. I mean, I arrived there really open and fresh. Like I normally go in, into things, as I say, you know, I'm curious, you know, I'm just going to go there and see what happened, you know, with my eyes because because, you know, years back, I, I could have gone to Mysore before, you know, I went to Aurobil to practice. I want to practice with mm. Karen, actually. But also Karen was exactly that year when I went there, she decided to stop teaching Ashtanga Yoga because, you know, all the reasons, right? Mm, mm, mm. You know, and I spoke with her, you know, I went there because I want to practice with her. And then I had a meeting with her. You know, she, I mean, she was telling me things, you know, that, you know, the reason why basically she, she stopped and she would not go to Mysore anymore, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and so I was already in Autoville. And then I was like, oh, there was Gerard. I don't know if you know from uh, Ashtanga Paris. Yeah, we had, he's been on the podcast. He was, yeah. 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 yeah he, was, he was teaching. He was teaching there. So I took one month there with him. Um, and so I could have gone to Mysore actually, but I didn't go because honestly speaking, uh, there was a lot of rumors, you know, around, you know, the word, you know, the mm. yoga words where people will tell me, don't go there, they're going to break your body and so on. And of course, in the beginning, I was like, I was like, oh, really? You know, I was like, but, but as I said before, it's like, I'm, I'm not so happy just to believe what people tell me. If I can, I want to experience myself. And so, you know, and there, at one point, there was a time where I was like, you know what? This is a good time for me to go and, and see because I'm not scared, you know, you know, mm. you know, of, of really uh, going and experience things, you know, by myself. And uh, I like to hear people. I like to hear opinion and stuff. And the opinions were all different anyway. You know, some people are very Absolutely, positive yeah, opinion. Yeah, 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 yeah. Others yeah. are like, no, yeah. they're going to break your body, blah, blah. Totally. Like, I know, exactly gonna, the same I'm going to see. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm going to yeah, see yeah. and, you know. Yeah, my experience yeah. and everything and uh, it was 2005 so when and it was yeah and it was an interesting time you put your your finger on it it was an interesting kind of time when when yeah. guruji was on the way out obviously he was still there but not really that present you know and then yeah Shirat yes, was really yes. taking over but Shirat really wasn't confident in taking over because obviously his veneration for his grandfather was very strong so he was always standing yes. back um, yes, and then you had this yes, kind of yeah. new, the new and the old students kind of battling it out. Would they stay? Would they take Sharat as the teacher? It was a very interesting time, wasn't well, it? Well, there were some situations also where, you know, Guruji would say to do something to one student and then Sharat would say no. And they were having a little, you know, in the shala, in their language. You know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And the students were a little bit confused what to do, you know. Uh, but it was interesting. I mean, oh, every, whenever there, this kind of 
changes like you know generational changes i don't know how you want to call it, you know like mm. uh, the teacher teachers retiring and, and the new is coming of course there are some different opinions some you know some situation you know which are, you know can be very interesting to see from outside but but they're all in the normal i think you know i just remember sabi joyce always wanted to shut the window and Shirat always wants to open the windows there's a battle in that, and I was kind of definitely in the Chirac camp. I can, you could do, you could always do with more air in that room. Let's put it that way. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So obviously, you made your way through, and you know, when I saw you doing, you know, I think most of the advanced series. Um, so you know, you'd made a good amount of progression, but I also know that you, you know, you'd had difficulties with a back injury for a number of years, and I think it's important yeah. for people to know that you know, even advanced teachers and long-term practitioners can also have difficulties and and, and struggles. You, would you mind sharing a little bit how you worked with that and how yeah. you overcome it, or how your practice has developed around mm. that? Anything yeah, you yeah. could say would be much appreciated. Yeah, I mean, you know. There's been a time where um, I, I got injury or I started to feel, you know, uh, pain in my back. And, mm. um, and I was not sure exactly, you know, what happened. So um, I, I went to track, you know, and, uh, and there was some herniated disc, basically. Um, it's also true that my, my spine was a little bit out of alignment somehow, you know. Uh, like the top of my sacrum was a little bit more forward uh, compared with the with the upper uh, vertebra. So um, I mean, I don't know if that's due to an accident I had or I was just born like this. I'm not sure. So, but you know, over the years, you know, I tried to you know catching and catching and catching. Uh, so bending backwards. Uh, obviously, maybe this has been degenerating the situation. You know. And um, and so at one point I you know I, I discovered that I just needed this and uh, of course it was very scary in the beginning and uh, because it was my first probably main injury you know, I haven't had any big big stuff going on you know no operation nothing you know with my body never broke any bones and stuff so I was like wow <laughs> oh okay now we have to see what to do about it you know it's like mm. how am i gonna i'm gonna manage the situation because you know um when you have certain things like that i mean yes your teacher can suggest something you know uh somebody your friends can suggest them but at the end of the day you you have to take a responsibility you have to search do things you know start to you know practice a little bit differently modification uh, things like that, you know, strengthening, for example, and try to work. just, you have to work a little bit different, you know, uh, in order not to aggravate the situation. And, uh, you know, now I'm like, I discovered this maybe 13, 14 years ago, and um, I still have it. I just got an MRI, yeah. you know, and uh, yeah, right. it's still there. And, and, mm -hmm. uh, and ha this has limited my range of motion uh, to some extent. Uh, and that's also, I think, due to, you know, the fact that maybe the mind doesn't want to, doesn't, the nervous system, I would say, doesn't allow you to go even further just to prevent something happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So, um, so I'm dealing with it. You know, I'm dealing, I'm doing my practice and the practice also you know, change over the years and depends on the situation, the time and so on. 
So I wasn't sure because I see some I see some pretty nifty moves on Facebook sometimes from you. So I wasn't sure how you were getting yeah, on. I mean, yeah. look, looks like you're no, still no. still holding the it's... torch uh, quite strongly for Ashtanga. But what, what would you say? Yeah. I mean, in terms of um, how you've dealt, do you take the postures out to aggravate? I mean, would you do that with a student? I mean, you've always been traditional, and after all, you're Italian anyway, so you like things yeah. traditional. Um, you know, but how would you uh, and how do you see the practice? I mean, it's a question I ask many people in Ashtanga. You know, obviously the method mm-hmm. is there, but at certain points the sequence isn't possible necessarily without pain. I mean, do you take the posture out? Do you modify it? Do you work around? Do you do something completely yes, different? Yeah. 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 And how do you relate uh, to that? Yeah, I mean, uh, talking personally in, in my situation, yeah. of course, uh, I've been going uh, around by exploring things, you know, how I start to do certain things. Um, I might have kept sometimes some, some deep, deep posture, uh, for a while and um, I'm still practicing, but maybe I don't go as deep also because I don't, I honestly don't see the necessity of it. You know, like, I mean, if I, if I touch my toes, if I catch my ankles, you know, in the end of the day, uh, it doesn't change much uh, uh, to what exactly. gives me, yes. you know, yeah. And, and yeah, as, yeah, yeah. as a person, exactly. as a human being, mm. as a, mm-hmm. as a, you know, so it, it doesn't really change to me. And, um, of course, this will also go on, you know, with, uh, with, with my students, you know, when, when somebody's going through some kind of injury or, or, or problem, you know, we try to always work out something around the practice because, um, you know, I think mm, this is very, I think, common sense. You know, <laughs> the practice should be supporting your life, not you supporting the practice. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, I think that's, that, at least for me, that's how I see things, you know. I, I want to get, you know, whenever, whatever age I'm going to get in, in a good condition. You know, I want to be healthy, be able to walk nicely, to sit, to ride my motorbike, to do, you know, to live a, a normal life. I don't want to, you know, go around with my back pain and, you know. <laughs> Or something. I think, <laughs> I think it's your fast motorbikes that are more likely to uh, cause the the shortening of your life, not the Ashtanga Yoga. <laughs> <laughs> he likes to ride a very fast motorbike, guys. Um, well, you know, at a certain point, don't you think, like, is it what what keeps you coming back to Ashtanga rather than just kind of thinking, okay, I'm old enough now, wise enough to make my own thing up? You know, like I've got a certain injury I'm working with. Why don't you just make something? I mean, you know, your personal opinion again. Why don't Why don't you just make your own thing up? You've got all the experience now. What keeps you back to Ashtanga as a method? You mean you, know, you mean those you mean yeah to keeping the sequences to keeping the vinyasa idea? Yeah, I mean we call it I suppose sequences in Ashtanga really as it is what defines yeah. you doing Ashtanga or not something else. You know, yes, and it's dynamism. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is. Uh... I see that you know the practice as as a framework. Like you know, they you know you, you take it. There's the vinyasa, but you know sometimes maybe you you're gonna do it differently. You know there are you know there's a sequence, but sometimes you maybe gonna go and modify it a little bit. You know, and uh, uh, some days you know I might I might spend uh, more breath in in the posture. I do less posture, but I stay longer. Um, some other times I, you know, 
I might introduce some different movement, you know, in in the practice. And uh, you know, the thing is, uh, to be honest with you, except the the time when I when I'm in Mysore, uh, the rest of the the time and most of my life, I've been practicing a lot, which I love it. Which I love it. To be honest with you, for me. The practice alone is like is when you face all your goals and all your, you know, it's like your laziness and so on. Because you know, when you go into the shala and there are like hundred people around you, you charge, you go through. You know, it's like when you wake up in the morning and you roll your mat every single day, and there's no one around there that excite you know takes you up there's mm. no one looking at you or help you or whatever mm, mm, you know and, uh, it's a different story and when you do this for 15 20 years you know it's totally different so you know mm. when you are when you are by yourself uh you also listen more you know and, and you explore things in a, such a different way you know and and you know, it's not, I'm not here to say like, oh, I'm doing this movement or that movement or, you know, that. I think it does, you know, it always change. Um, so I keep the frame, you know, like the primary series, intermediate, advanced, and a little bit of B that what I normally practice in Mysore, you know, and, and, and I do for some time, but sometimes I, I shorten, sometimes I put something in between. Um, so, it's, it's just a frame more, you know, for me. Um, yeah. And touch on something really important you... there. Yeah. Which is um, how do you keep motivating yourself outside having, and people often ask me like, so who do you go to as a teacher? And he's going to say, well, you know, I was going to Mysore and now, you know, I kind of practice on my own, you know, like, and that's just, you know, that's what was always traditionally done, right? It's only more recently that people have access to teachers in every town or city where they live. Um, and, you know, sure. it was always you go, go to Mysore for a couple of few months and then you come home and the rest of the year you're practicing on your own. Or, but nevertheless, I mean, the question is pertinent for many people. Like, what you know, what when you don't feel like it, how do you keep up your motivation when you're in pain or when you, you know, you feel lazy? Mm. You, know, what, you know, have you got any advice for anyone to, you know, in terms of how, or at least, you know, just share with us how you motivate yourself when you really don't yeah, want to? Uh, I, I think it, the motivation comes to the fact that, you know, the, when you practice, you feel good. You know, when you finish to practice, you feel like, okay, you know, I feel different. You know, I feel something that, I, I want, I need for, for my daily life. Um, mm. But again, it, does, it doesn't have to be too hours. That's what I'm saying. You know, it's like, you know, there are days and days. Uh, the, the different, the, the main difference in you know, teaching and practicing in between when you are in Mysore or when you are, you know, back home, it's pretty substantial. I mean, you know, when you are in Mysore, you do nothing all day pretty much. You just practice and then you decide, you know, if you want to go to the pool or you want to take some you know, chanting course or sleep and watch Netflix, like, you know, or, or whatever. You decide, right? But you have mm. a choice. But when you're back home, after you've been teaching or practicing, you have all the rest, you know, you know, family or children, work, other stuff you have to do, you know. Mm. You don't ha- I, don't have a ma- I don't have a maid that comes and clean my house and, you know, and wash my clothes, you know what I mean? Like a miser. Uh, I don't, you know, so I cook, I do things. So, so I have, you know, we have life. And so that's why what I'm saying is like when, when you practice back home or when you teach to people that have life and they're busy 
extremely busy like people are for example here in tokyo um you have to adapt i don't know how to say if that's the correct mm, words yeah. you know adapt yeah. adapt the practice to the situation from your injury to the person who is really busy uh to your you know to yourself you know you're traveling you do different things you know i used to be so uh straight with myself really it's like you know there was like i wouldn't miss one day of practice if i did for whatever reason traveling or something i felt almost almost guilty you know uh and over the years of course or you know guilty or even the fear of like losing the flexibility oh my lord you know it's like you know but you know luckily you know uh, i that was just for for a short time it was just really in the beginning the first few years where i you know and then i soon realized you know uh, my reality what it is you know what what's good for me because you know uh, i think we are especially after a few years that we uh, we get to know uh, ourselves you know we know what's true yeah we know what works we know what's resonate you know what i mean that's part of the journey and i think everyone kind of goes through that but i think if you're going to keep it up for the long term you have to start becoming realistic with yourself and yeah not beating yourself up for those kind of things and uh, but uh, you know it's a very relevant thing you, you bring up and i'm pleased you do because uh, i you know many people do suffer with this guilt and they have to do it exactly this way as they have been shown by their teacher every day or exactly as they've done in mindset every day the same thing and you know, they can't miss a day and if they're in pain they still have to do the same pr- practice you know um and it's a shame because i think there's a beautiful method inside inside this but mm. but that kind of uh, approach to the method can uh you know can turn it into a bit of a uh, uh sufferance for people where you know it really doesn't need to be it doesn't need to be um course, so you know you've been teaching in tokyo for many years and we had a little conversations back and forth before this and and you mentioned that you know you find uh and, and i found as well teaching in asia these last few years and you know perhaps a different mentality in this western students and i mean i'm assuming you teach mainly japanese people there um you know how is the relationship different would you say between uh, your students there and what you your students you've had in the west when you travel and you know i know you taught west western uh, students and workshops and mm-hmm. stuff as well yeah so, yes. you don't say anything on that well, and, and the other thing is uh, another question before i'll just get this in before you start um do you yeah. find that there's any challenges different in in say uh the japanese body or the asian body and i mean you know generalizations people you know but uh is there any differences or challenges to a to a, a caucasian you know a western say let's yes, say european yeah, or yes. american australian body yeah yes yes well i, I will start with the second words then uh, the second question uh totally totally different i mean in general obviously you know i, I mean I have been teaching here for 16 years in Maiso class, mm. pretty much five days a week. And I've been, as you say, occasionally teaching in Europe. And, um, and yeah, so I, I can totally see that. First of all, I mean, people here are just like in size, smaller, uh, in general, uh, more kind of flexible, I would say, mm. uh, just naturally you know um bigger yeah. you know small smaller bones you know like somehow really just everything is it's in in scales smaller somehow and um i i totally find them much more free especially when you know when they have to sit on the floor you know and, and so the hips you know and so on are i'm more used to you know to sit on their knees for example where you know in the west we are not 
And mm. um, and I I have to say that you know um, yeah I I noticed the the, the difference is substantial really. Um, so you can also imagine you know, when you, when you have a practice that is quite dynamic where you have to carry the, your body weight up and down, jumping back and forth. If you have a smaller body, it's it's a little bit easier, you know, that if you are, you know, one meter eighty or maybe ninety kilo uh, <laughs> with bones, like, you know, bones like this and, and muscle like that, you know. Yeah. So you know, uh, when when you start to do like already Ardabala Padmotanasa, you can see that it's amazing. I mean, here ninety, I don't know, I think ninety percent of the students, whenever they come to club, they can do. But you know, I've been teaching in the West, and it's yeah, totally yeah. different. Totally different. Real, real. Totally. It, different. it is. It is. In general. Yeah. In general. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's yeah, obviously we're painting with broad strokes here, folks. Um, but it is different. I think we can say that. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that. You know, it is the the practice. This particular modality. I'm not sure if you know, swinging a, a sledgehammer or lifting a heavy, you know, like a weightlifting. You might be better off as a as a Bulgarian. You know, so mm. you're gonna, you know, they <laughs> yes. have, but well, the the is apparently the Celtic hip that allows the the particularly Bulgarians and Eastern Europeans to lift um to the the heavy weights, you know, the kind of um, off the floor mm. over the head, you know. So I mean, every you know, different races have different propensities, and you got to say that when you see um you know in the Indians, South Asians practicing, you kind of understand okay that this practice does make sense. Whereas you know, I was teaching in London for many years to you know white english guys you know a lot of them bankers you know i was in the city of london you kind of think well there's so, so many changes you have to start making that you kind of wonder you know, start oh, to yes, well yes, you know yes. is this really the best thing that they could be doing you know um i don't know i mean i think it's you know it's useful to know because i mean it's a great practice anyway and they enjoyed it anyway and limitations in the west are often greater and we have to work around things more you know that it might mm. not be the first you know, if someone's designing a Western form of yoga, looking at a European body, they might not design some of the series as it was done, you know, as it's done in Mysore, right? You probably wouldn't make uh, Lotus posture one of your first postures, right? Um, <laughs> you know, you'd probably do something else like, you know, like maybe cross legs, you know, even cross leg for many people. And, you know, they have never practiced yoga. They're older guys, for example, you know, even sitting on the floor in cross leg position is painful. So, you know. I think, you know, it's good for people to recognize this because there's this assumption that, the, you know, that everyone should be able to do it because it's the primary series. Whereas actually these postures are pretty advanced, you know. Um, Ooh, is there any yeah. things that, you know, on the other foot, is there any things that they struggle with, would you say? Would you say that you notice that people struggle with anything particular there that you uh, might not find? Well, in, in generally a little bit strength, uh, I would say strength. Right. Um, because, again, you know, I see flexibility. I mean, people here, they come the first time, they do kaputaza and they go back and they catch the ankles and they come up and they look at you like if nothing has happened is the first time you know and then you see some other people <laughs> with the eyes open like that when they come up you know so uh, there's a lot of i mean in general more flexible but sometimes really lack of strength and then you can see when they start to do maybe stuff like inversions or you know just like they're just wobbling uh, but again that's that's also in general, yeah. and there are stiff people here. There are strong people here, very strong, you know. Um, and and again, I in general, I think like shorter, more compact body 
it's it's a little bit easier to control, you know, when you have long so limbs and long, it is, you know, it is. Look at, I mean, apart nice. from Richard Freeman or Chuck, who Richard Freeman and Chuck Miller, they're both of a reasonable size of height. But many of the Ashtanga teachers, you kind of meet them for the first time, and you think, oh wow, you're really, really quite short. And I'm, you know, and I'm no one to speak. I'm five foot nine. You know, I'm not. I mean, you're about the same, right? You may be a bit taller than me, but no, similar height, I think. Um, you know, and then you meet someone like John Scott or Lino, and you think, wow, you know, um. Yeah, I don't know what size they are, but you know, it, it is a, it's very helpful to be shorter. You know, you know. Um, oh, see, yeah, and especially when you see yeah. all these uh, float, floating people, you know, floating into handstand. All the, you, you, you see their their, their body, proportion, body proportions, you know, and, yes, and yeah, exactly. yeah, it makes a lot of sense. People have like long legs, short upper body. I mean, you know, things are different, you know. So proportion are very important in order to, you know. To prefer perform in certain way that looks yeah in certain way you know for sure. I think it's also sure. to to recognise that that the, you know I mean I'm always trying to kind of shed the light on this fact that you know the the practice is not necessarily going to turn out the same for everyone. It's like you know I think there's this <laughs> oh, sense in the, kind of the the modern world that oh you just have to work hard enough and everyone could do everything, but that's not the case. You know, and different people have different mm. genetics and proportions, and you know things will turn out differently for different people. Uh, regardless of how hard they work, some people will never do certain things. You know, and oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know a, a dose of but, realism you know, is helpful as well. Um, what about the also... teaching relationship? Uh same there's this substantial differences because um i mean i can talk mostly about japan because i live here and uh, mm. there's very very high respect towards anybody who is teacher or sensei you know um so when even when you introduce yourself to people and say i'm yoga yoga sensei and they're like are you call you sensei do you oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they call you, you know, if they say I'm yoga teacher. Oh, yoga sensei. Oh. Um, and, you know, that that's pretty much, I mean, it's very respected. And um, and and students look at you like like your teacher, you know, they respect you, they listen to you. They also, they hardly argue, like, you know, challenge you. Like yeah, in the yeah, West. Yeah. Oh, oh, really? Yeah. Are you sure? Are you sure? So and so told me that. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I would do it this yeah, way. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. You know, probably yeah. So, and I, I'm not saying uh, I, I like the challenge. I like when people have questions. Actually, which is here, it doesn't happen very much because again, it's a culture thing. Mm. Normally, they don't quest. They don't question the teacher. You know, and just they might don't agree with you, but they would also not just like. Uh, start to argue with them about something you know uh very different than the west for example when they don't agree with you they're just going to start an argument right i mean yeah along those lines well, do you it's... find it harder yeah i mean do you find it harder to read them then i mean you, you do feel that sometimes they wouldn't be honest with you if they're in pain or if they don't find something Ma... appropriate or comfortable or do you still feel that you're able to, to relate directly uh after several years is you can right so it now. takes a little bit longer in, it takes it yeah because in the beginning yeah. i can i came with you know with the idea of talking to people directly and ask direct question where right. here it doesn't work like that and right. nothing is working like that nothing is like direct answer and question it's always like how you frame the the, the question you know and it's like you, you never go direct to the point you just try, you just go a little bit around with a 
softness and and you know it's very different and you know so but in general people regarding pain or whatever it, for that matter you know they they are pretty honest but sometimes again maybe they don't tell you things but so it's up to your experience when you start to see they are doing certain things in a certain way uh or them you know or looking the expression of the face or something like then eventually you know uh, i will go mm. there and just try to to figure out what what's going on but um they're pretty honest they're actually you know very honest people they just like you know they just listen and and try to you know do what what you you know ask and and in generally you know I'm, I'm i'm trying to take them doing what they actually feel good for yeah. them to do especially yeah. I mean, you know when, when yeah. they're in the situation because otherwise they will be like okay you told me to do this i do this you know i'm like you know when i teach i, I normally don't tell people to do something you know i ask them to inquire to the possibility to do certain things you know because uh, my idea of uh, you know that I have maybe you know, how you're supposed to do things or is doesn't fit your body, right? Uh, you have to feel how you are when you are in in the pose when you do some movement, you know. Some, you know, I can only guess certain things, but uh, in the end of the day, uh, I want to I say empower them of taking a decision, you know, mm. especially when when it comes comes down to to pain, to feeling pain or having some trouble with the body or in general, you know, other things that happen in life because, uh, you know, wh when you teach people or like I have students who have been coming for 10, 15 years in my miser class, can you understand? It's like five days a week for 15 years. It's not two months a year, you know, and, you know, you don't see them anymore. I think that is a lot you know, of time so together, they, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, and also the relationship that, you know, that you build with students, um, it's very different than somebody who's coming, you know, randomly once a year or twice a year, you know, for, for a couple of months, you see a couple of hours in the morning. So, you know, you start to get to know the people much deeper. I know you, the job they're doing, you know, they're maybe somebody passed away in the family or something, or they're having struggle with the job, they got divorced. And so according with that, I also have to support them, you know, with, through the practice eventually uh, in certain way. So the practice is going to maybe even change. Sometimes maybe I see they're struggling with something, you know, I just invite them to do a slower practice, a shorter practice maybe, or more meditation towards the end or something like, you know, focusing more and just try to relax and, you know, in, in the ending, finishing pose. The, you know, I, I try to, in general, I try to support the students, you know, uh, because mm, I want, mm, mm, mm. you know, my, I think my, my main goal as a yoga teacher, uh, if I can call myself a yoga teacher, I don't know, but uh, it's to help people to, to have a better life I'm, I'm not i'm not here to 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 say that I, I can help people to get enlightened or like awakening you know their kundalini uh this might happen or might not through the practice or through any other things uh what i again what is my main goal is is really supporting people and 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 giving you know a place where you know they can come they can practice and 
and they can be with themselves, mm. you know, and they can, mm. you know, so I, I, I'm supporting I mean, them. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, that, and, uh, that's what I'm trying to do. In that vein, do you find it, do you find there any challenges coming to an Eastern culture with a Western mentality um, in terms of how to relate? I mean, I'm assuming you have, uh, you know, some of your students have become friends out of class and, you know, I'm assuming it's probably not easy to, to relate directly and, and, and not be on a pedestal, yeah. be, put, be put on a pedestal. Um, you know, I mean, you've lived in Japan for a long time now. I mean, you know, yeah. how do you suit your mentality to the Japanese mentality? And, you know, are there any obvious differences that you come up, up against a lot? Yes, you you learn. When you're here, you learn, you know, you, you make some mistakes, of course, you know, and then... And this, this, you know, doesn't doesn't matter how long you stay in a, in a different country. You see that, you know, you are Italian, you are English, you're, you know. There is certain things, you know, that you know, some conditioning of culture uh, that there are still going to be there. But again, I, I I soften up to certain things. You know, I I I learn how to speak. For example, I learn how. To ask things because again, if you ask things directly, most of the time you won't get an answer. Why is that? Um, because this is this is the way that most people, you know, interact. You know, there's no and a direct answer question. Uh, uh, it can be sometimes can be defined as a rule. But right. if you mm -hmm. go, on, if you know, if you know how to go around, you know, it's like. You know, when when you read some emails, for example, you know, it's like the first things. It's not like, hey, how are you? Can I do this? The first thing is like, oh, it's hot today. The weather is like this. I hope you are not having, you know, trouble with the heat or something. You know, there's an introduction. Yeah. It's not like bang. You know? Yeah. And then there is eventually there's a question formulated nicely. Um, so that's that's what happened. You know, also in the meetings, you know, job meetings or whatever. It's like you you start to learn. You you learn. You know, whatever you are in a different culture. In the beginning, you come with you know with your truth and your being. Uh, but then suddenly you, you see it's not working. So like either you keep fighting against the wall, or intelligently you start to adapt. You start to learn. You start to you know integrate yourself you know mm. in, in the culture and yeah um, i mean you've been there a long time would you consider that you're going to stay there i mean how how do you, does your future look i mean uh i don't know i don't know honestly i don't know yeah. because uh you'll be shocked when I'm you come back to Italy. yeah <laughs> well you, you know i spend there a, a couple two or three months a year i i'm in italy actually so you know um I still keep. I, I always did actually. All the years I've been here, I always came back and and tried to keep connection with my family, with my friends, and my culture. Yeah, I think it's very mm. important too. Um, mm. So, but yeah, I'm. Uh, you know, I'm open. Life is being so. It is so unpredictable. I I never thought I would come to Japan. And when I came to Japan, I never thought I would stay so long. You know. And, I was in Berlin, I was in Copenhagen, you know, I live in different countries and and uh I don't know I don't know what's next really, you know. I was gonna say, I mean I just yeah, wrapping it up now and uh, you know, what what, what yeah. do you see in your future? What where where would you like to be in your future? And you've got any challenges that you want to you know, any plans, any uh any any anything oh, you'd mean, like I, to you know, I, work on? 
I, d I definitely think that, you know, as, as I grow older, at one point I would like to move back to Europe. I have this, this sometimes this feeling of like, you know, that I would like to spend the rest, you know, my, my latest days when I'm old, I would like to spend it maybe in, in Italy, in my country. Um, that's, I don't know, it's maybe romantic, I'm not sure, <laughs> or some something, but it's like feeling like, you know, closing uh, the circle you know um but again i could you know that's that's so it's just an, an hypothesis you know because in the end of the day I, I i could probably pass away tomorrow you know who knows you know i mean i saw all different kind of things happening you know in my life that you know hardly can tell anything so I'm open, there's possibilities, you know, I'm always listening, I'm always aware about my surrender and I'm, you know, if there's a, you know, possibility uh, to move back, maybe at one point I will, uh, not mm. necessary now, now, because I, I, you know, I've been here for so many years and have such a nice group of students, you know, that, that you know, there's a, there's a good relation and, and it's not friends relation. It's friendly, but it's not friend relation. So I always right. make sure that there is no, they are not, we're not just going to drink a coffee every day together, you know, say after the practice. And not, not because I, I think it's bad. It's just like, I think it's very important to, uh, to have this, this space, right. you know what I mean? Like, you know, uh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's I great. It's I mean, important. it's funny you brought up a lot of topics that I, that I, think and, and talk about a lot and the, the friend teacher relationship being one of them um, and many people would say like well I, I like to be friends with my students and uh i've always felt like you know that there well, should be you can be friendly just, you can people... be friendly yeah of course <laughs> you know? I mean, there's two different things going on isn't there you know but but friendships yeah. are a different thing i think and, and they uh, you know for me they've always gotten in the way of a teaching relationship i mean i know that you have your your biker friends um, so I assume you're kept busy with with uh, friendship groups with your with your motorbike trips and uh, and then you you know your yeah. your teaching relationships can be kept separate to that which you know in my mind it makes sense. Um, okay, just to wrap it up, Granty, I, I know you've got some good uh, answers for these two questions. Um, I always do this in the podcast. Do you give me an inspiration, something you're inspired by, uh, and a guilty pleasure? Um, I say guilty pleasure, but it's a joke, really. You know, like something you take pleasure in. And an inspiration can be a person, place, or a book, or anything, you know? Just uh, two questions I always ask at the end. My inspiration, I would say Richard Freeman. Oh, really? Oh, that's, that's, a, that's a first. Oh, right. right. Yeah, Richard Freeman has been amazing for me. I mean, I think I had, I had several moments with him, you know, and... Uh, I invite him to Japan. He came here to teach. I was there teacher training. I went to, you know, wherever it was possible to take his workshop mm. and stuff. And has been such an inspiring teacher for me. And, and in his presence and, you know, when he was talking, uh, I had moments of like, if you want to call small awakening or like, you know, this, this so-called, ah, Mm. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, like if there was some kind of opening inside me somehow, you know, uh, which is, you know, uh, quite remarkable to me. Mm. Mm. And so, uh, yeah, for me, Richard is 
That's a good one. Uh, many people, I'm sure, think about yes. that. But uh, yeah, the first person that's actually said it. What about a pleasure? I mean, you're probably going to mention your motorbikes, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, like I live in, in a city where there are 30 million people, you know, it's like it's like it's building after building. It's like, and so in the weekend, whenever I have a free time, I, I take my motorbike and I explore a mountain, you know, I go to the ocean rivers, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. you know, and just this kind of thing, just me and my motorbike and, uh, you know, the roads and then, you know, that feeling of like, it, it's unbelievable. So, so for me, it's, it's one of the most, uh, pleasurable thing. And uh, I think the second one, especially the last few years, has been um, enjoying time with my mom. Uh, you know, like uh, really taking some short vacation with her, you know, see her smile, see her like lighting up, you know, seeing her, you know, amazed from certain places she's never been before. It's like, this is pure pleasure for me. It's pure pleasure because, you know, I think I put always my parents in front of anything else. You know, it's like to me, you know, they give us life and they, you know, they struggle and they raise me and uh, they taught me many things. And uh, I, I can't believe what I'm saying, but honestly, it's like, it's very pleasurable for me to spend time with my mom and to, to share moments of life, you know. Oh, yeah. That's nice. Where does she like best? Where have you taken her that she she's uh, she was most uh, oh, excited about? Oh, we we go to the we go to the lake. We go to the ocean. Like take her sometimes okay. some places. You know, like uh, and she's just amazed. I can see how much she enjoy. You know, and and for me, that's really really a pleasure to see her happy. Well. Kanti, it's been equally a pleasure for me to uh, to chat to you again today after so many years. So, uh, you know, thanks for taking the time. And uh, I hope we manage to meet in person somewhere. Yeah. Thank again. you so much. Some, uh, I'm sorry future. for my English, but... Uh, no, it's yeah. perfect. I mean, I was Thank often... Over this chime of the hour, I've often thought, my God, he's speaking all this in English, like, so perfectly and well, you know, like... And just envisaging my trying to communicate myself in Italian, like... <laughs> <laughs> but anyway thank you and uh, it's been such a such a nice uh, treat to meet you again uh, even thank over you. the airwaves thanks Ciao.